What does it do? You'll discover when okay. you want it. <laughs> you never know when you come to a Pentecostal church what will happen next. Well, it's a great joy to be with you and to have the opportunity to share together and come to the throne of grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the good gifts that the blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, has purchased for us. <coughs> Lord, we, as sinners, once alienated, far away, rebels to the cause of God, dead in our trespasses and sins, we dare approach the throne of God on one ground only, that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So on that promise and that solid ground, we boldly approach the throne of grace and there to find mercy and to receive grace in our time of need. And so, Lord, we come with empty hands, but hearts full of thanks and hope and faith. And with empty hands, we reach up and we reach out and we receive all the good things, our inheritance that we share with Jesus Christ, our co-heir of the inheritance of heaven. We come and we pray, Lord, that we will not leave this place empty except we leave our thanks and our praise on our lives at your feet. So, Lord, by your Spirit, guide us, we pray, to the cross and keep our eyes forever fixed there and minister to us. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have a, a Bible with you, a paper one, like I have, or a magnificent church Bible. I don't know how many offerings it takes to buy a Bible like that. And in Mark chapter 6, and it's the feeding of the 5,000. And it begins in Mark chapter 6 at verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. So this following miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 was preluded and born out of the compassion of Jesus Christ. And as you look through scripture, you will always find that any great work of God on earth 
among needy people begins and is birthed in the heart of God. And Jesus saw these people, later says, there were thousands, 5,000, they were the men. I don't know how many women there were or children, maybe 15,000. That was a huge crowd in those days. And they'd been following Jesus for a day or two days, maybe longer. And they had great needs. Physically, they were hungry. Spiritually, they were in great need with little guidance, bearing the burdens of an oppressive religion that demanded perfection. And they were buckling and burdened under the strain of trying to reach up to heaven under the great weight of their sin and shame. And it says that Jesus saw them and he was moved with compassion. So all that follows in the coming verses, all the teaching and the great miracle and provision of God began with the love and compassion of the Lord. And that gives us great hope. Because if God needed great compassion or commitment from us before he did a work. He probably would never do a work. Because we all fall short of the glory and standards that God requires. But thanks be to God, the Lord Jesus Christ in our place as our representative, as our sacrifice and substitute, stands in our place before the Father, having bore our sin, having paid the price, having lived that perfect life to satisfy the justice of the Father. That is our hope today. That there is one who loves us, And loves the world. For God so loved the world. He gave his son. And the compassionate heart of God. Beats. For each one here. And beats for every man and woman outside. In a lost. And dying. World. The love of God. And we need to remember that. If we want to be a place. A group, a church, a people through which and in which God's presence overflows into the community. Then it must be marked and birthed in love and compassion. When programs and meetings and projects and visions come first before people. And their needs. Then all such efforts will falter. No matter how well intentioned. Though we speak with the tongues of men. And of angels. And I'm not just speaking to the Pentecostals. Yet have not love and compassion. Clanging symbols. (coughs) 
Though I offer my body in sacrifice to the flames, but have not love and compassion, I have nothing. Though I give every penny to my account, from my account to the church, and to every good deed and need out there, but have not love and compassion, I am nothing. But love is the soil in which God's seed and God's purpose is nurtured and brings great fruit. So this miracle began with Christ looking and he was moved with compassion. You see, compassion moves us. Vision is good. Commitment is good. Plans are good. But it is compassion that moves us towards people and their need. And it's the reason that God in Christ moves towards us. Because he loves and honours and respects and regards all of us. In this building and outside. So there was Christ. Great compassion. But there he was faced with an urgent need. The disciples came to him. And if we read that they said Lord. It is late in the day. And the hour is late. So there's great urgency. The light was going. The night was drawing near. The people were hungry. Where could they get resources? Where could they get hospitality? Where could their needs be met at such a late hour in this wilderness? (coughs) It was an urgent time. And here we are in 2023. And it is an urgent time in this world and in heaven. It says in the first epistle of John, chapter 2, it is the last hour. The Apostle Paul told the church. And if 2,000 years ago it was the last hour in the framework and economy and schedule of God's purposes of salvation, then here we are in 2023 in the last minute or the last seconds before Christ comes in glory and the door to hell shuts. And the door to heaven shuts as regards entry into God's presence. When the gospel era is done, the age of salvation is complete. And we look at the world today without God and without hope. When all seems to be dark and little moral light or guidance. When all news seems to be bad. Today is a day of urgent need. And for those who have spiritual eyes, we see the lights are dimming 
in society, in the world, and in many churches, when the cross has been taken and hidden, when the light of grace and the power of God's word has not been preached, if the lights are going off in the churches, it's even darker in the world. It is a great time of urgency. But at such a time, the grace and mercy of God pours in and we see this great miracle born at a time of great urgency. And so we go on. The disciples said, send them away that they may go somewhere else and someone else can look after them. And then Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And the disciples looked at one another. And they checked their pockets. And they looked at the thousands of people. And our sister was able to choose between Sainsbury's and Waitrose and McDonald's. Well, in that wilderness, there was no such place. So the disciples looked at each other. At the 15,000 people. And thought, how can we make a difference? In the face of such great need. And throughout the Bible, God keeps telling people like you and I, and as the disciples then, I want you to do something. And like Moses, we say, me? I can't speak, I'm too old, get, get somebody else. And Jesus says, no, I, I want you to do something. You see, right throughout the Bible, the Lord commands what we cannot do. That we might know what we are to seek from him. He doesn't expect us to do it in our own strength. He expects us to say, well, I can't do it unless you're with us, Lord. You see, nobody is admitted into the treasure house of heaven. Until that person has first admitted their poverty and emptiness. And that's what Christ wanted them to say. So they said, well, all we have is five loaves and two fish. It's all we have. Basically saying we can't do a thing. But that's exactly what the Lord Wanted to hear. So he said to them. Verse 41. We move into the main verse here. Verse 41. He says what do you have? He'd sent them out for loaves by the way. He was quite specific. How many loaves do you have? He said. Five loaves and two fishes. And in verse 41. We see. What happens here? And when Christ had taken, received the five loaves and two fish, he took it. He took what was offered. And he used what was offered. What was freely given into the hands of Christ was exactly what he used for this miracle. Nothing more and nothing less. 
Now notice, he'd said to the disciples, how many loaves have you got? Well, five loaves and his two fish as well. Well, well, Christ didn't ask the fish. He's quite specific. He had a profile. That's what the world talks about, doesn't it? When you advertise for jobs, oh, we have a profile. That person must be this, 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 this. Then we'll give them the job. Then they'll be of use. Christ said, how many loaves do you have? And the disciples went looking round. John's Gospel says there was a small boy. And he had his, his picnic that his lovely mother gave him. Yeah. If the dad would have given them, the fish would have gone long ago. But anyway, there was five loaves and two fish. Jesus looked at that and he used it. Now just think a minute here. He didn't ask for those two fish. He may have thought, oh, do give me two fish. And maybe, you know, he thought of saying to Peter, Peter, come over here. You've got a cat at home, haven't you? Here, to take, these, take these fish home. They're no good to me. Not part of my profile. No, he used what was given. Two smelly dried fish. And the loaves he used, yes, he asked for loaves. But John's gospel tells us that they were barley loaves. Now the best loaves, the waitrose loaves, (laughs) is fine, whole flour, sour bread. Barley was used for the animals and the cattle. So if you had a barley loaf, it was like going to Aldi or Little, the cheapest. Give me, give me your cheapest. I'm not bothered about the quality, just give me the cheapest, yeah? And that's what the Lord had. The cheapest bread that a man wouldn't normally eat, he'd give it to the animals. Two fish he never asked for at the beginning. And yet... What did the Lord do? He received them. And he took them. Whatever is offered to the Lord, he receives. Whatever he uses is first offered willingly. He didn't go around snatching the bread and the stuff from people's hands and their rucksacks. No. He said, you give me and I will receive and use them. Now, we may not be of great quality in our Christian lives. Maybe we don't fulfill profiles of the great men of God in biographies. Maybe we don't have great gifts. Maybe we don't have great testimonies of being used. Maybe we haven't seen visions of heaven. Maybe we haven't led 50 people to the Lord this last week. Maybe we haven't been praying All night in prayer. But thanks be to God. He says you just give me what you have. And leave the rest to me. He never used what people withheld. Who knows? What great barrels and buckets of Kentucky fried chicken was in that crowd. (laughs) 
Who knows what Subways and vegan falafels and great food was hidden in that crowd of 15,000 people? Oh, they're not getting that. When their eyes are shut in prayer, <laughs> well, God didn't use that because it was never given. But they lost a tremendous blessing in keeping it for themselves. So it says he received it. Verse 41. And then he looked up to heaven. Praise God. First of all, he looked at the crowd and was filled with compassion. The next thing he looked at was heaven. It didn't say he looked at the loaves and the fish. Not in this account. Didn't matter how many loaves. Didn't matter how many fish. Didn't matter how poor the quality. Didn't matter how few there was of these resources. All that mattered was what was in heaven. So he gazed up to heaven. What does it say in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3? Yeah. Blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. The blessings are there. The answer to every need on earth is there. What does it say in James chapter 1 verse 18? Every good and perfect gift comes from above. From the Father of light. He looks up. And throughout his ministry, Christ was walking this earth looking up. At his baptism, it says heaven was torn open. But he served in a needy world with the constant provision of the treasures of heaven. And whenever he faced a great need, he looked up. And we in our Christian lives need to be looking up. We need to be looking up. Because the <coughs> gift, the blessing, the answer, the solution, the provision of all our needs. The needs of the church and out in this dying world. It's not on earth. It's in heaven. Ready. It's torn open. For any needy, faithful hand that reaches up in poverty and grasps the prosperity and riches that Christ's blood has bought us. And that's what Christ did. He looked up to heaven. Verse 41, it goes on, and he blessed. The bread and the fish. The NIV and John's gospel. For he gave thanks here. 
But Matthew, Mark, Luke say he blessed the bread. John's Gospel said he gave thanks for the bread. What's the difference? Well, both are true. Christ gave thanks for that bread and for those fish. He didn't complain. Says, well, how can I do a great work with those five stale barley loaves and those two smelly fish that I never asked for anyway? Just give me something to work with. I remember I had a friend and he said, John, I was offered the ministry of a small struggling church near Manchester. He said, I visited that church to preach and I had to look at the people. (laughs) Not Not many rich people there. Not many Rolex watches. Not many crocodile shoes. Not many intellectuals. No Rolls Royces parked outside there. Oh no. Said John, I didn't accept the call to the ministry for that church. He says, You've got to have something to work with. Thanks be to God. All that God wants to work with is a willing, voluntary giving of whatever we have. And He will add the value and the quality to that and that should encourage us all I could go on at this point but my time is almost up Daniel said they ring a bell after half an hour (laughs) and he he blessed he blessed he didn't just give thanks he blessed the bread and this is the point of the whole story What is a blessing? Well, a blessing is when something happens. When there's no earthly explanation for why it should happen. It's when two and two no longer equals four. But 14,000. That's what blessing does. It just changes the spiritual equation. And magnifies the sum of it. That's what blessing is. You see the disciples could have said. Okay we'll have a committee here. We get the trustees. We get the deacons. We'll cancel the ladies. Lunch on Saturday. We'll get them in. Fasting. Because we want to know. How we can use our resources. 15,000 people. What, five loaves and two fish? Phew. Okay, let's do a survey. Let's see who the neediest are. Let's see who's got the best connections. Let's see who we should invest in. Thanks be to God. Christ never, ever does that. Rather, he calls down a blessing on everything. When I was a lot younger... In 1981, I had the privilege of going to Ireland. That's the Republic of Ireland. Uh, The South. Catholic country. And I met a man who just pastored or started a church. And his name was Dick Teo. Still alive. Great man of God. And he told me his testimony. He said, John, 
About 17 years ago, I was working in the local dairy in Ireland. That's what they're famous for, milk products and, and cows and, and meat for your McDonald's and whatever. It's all Irish. Anyway, he was working all his life in this dairy. And one day, when he was out in Dublin, somebody on the street gave him a tract. Will you take this, sir? Yes, sir. Take it, put it in his pocket, went home, stayed in his pocket until he pulled it out one night and he read that tract of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his eyes were opened, the veil was removed. He saw Christ as his Savior and Lord. And he accepted the Lord. And he went into work on Monday. And there was a joy about him. And his friend said, well, what happened, Dick? He said, well, I read this tract. What tract? Here, read that. That man took it, put it in his pocket, went home. Came back the next day. Dick said, did you read that? Oh, I read it. And brother, there's two of us now. <laughs> they prayed. There was another friend. Take this home. And within two weeks, six people were saved in that place. A little grubby tract. A Catholic man working in a dairy. Suddenly, there was blessing. Who planned it? Where were the resources on earth? There were resources in heaven pouring out on God's word. And uh, that church is thriving in Thurless. And he also started a, a Bible college to train young men and women to reach people in Ireland. That's blessing. That's blessing. Not our sweat. Not our vision. Not our commitment. Not our resources. Though all that's important. And God will use it if it's given. But the missing factor in the equation of God's work is God's blessing. And whatever we do, whatever numbers and factors are in the equation, the sum will only be great if the blessings of God are in it. And that's what we need to seek for. So he took the bread and he blessed it. And then he did a strange thing. It says he broke the loaves. The disciples were watching. One eye was on this crowd of 15,000 hungry people, desperate people. Who knows how the mood of that crowd could change? There they've got some promise of food. They don't know how small it is, the disciples thought. But sooner or later the penny's going to drop and they'll see all that they've got is five loaves and two fish. It could turn nasty. And then what does the Lord do? What little he had, he starts breaking up. They must have thought, what's going on? But you see, what we don't quite get in the English here is in the Greek. It says that while he was blessing the bread, he was breaking it. It was simultaneous action. 
as his lips were pronouncing the blessing from heaven on the bread, his hands were breaking the bread at the same time. You see, blessing and brokenness go together in all of God's work from Genesis to Revelation. Any blessing will come with brokenness. So if you're being blessed, don't be surprised if God breaks something in your life. But if at this moment in time, all you seem to be doing is feeling broken and battered and bruised and buffeted, we'll take hope. Because a blessing is on its way. If you're in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ and you're holding nothing back and you're giving the meager the meagerness and the futility of your life to Christ you've got the brokenness but brother and sister there's a blessing coming if we believe it and we receive it Christ said didn't he at the last supper this is my body which was broken for you You see, at Calvary, the greatest blessing and greatest miracle ever was performed by God on earth. And it was through a broken body that the blessings of heaven were funneled onto earth and were spread out. Even to this day, from corner to corner. And sometimes, as God took this bread, he will take our life and take our church and says, well, if you remain whole and if you remain comfortable, one person can be blessed by you. One person, one loaf. That's the equation. But if I break you, And I break your church. And I distribute small pieces. Then tens and hundreds and thousands can be blessed. But the brokenness is part of God's plan. If Christ had to be broken in all his perfection. The son of God. A lamb without blemish or spot had to be broken then how much more weak faithless and often fruitless Christians have to be broken you see a good gardener prunes his plants to get more fruit and there may be things he needs to prune and break our ambitions some sins Some doubtful habits, some relationships, some attitude, something which you know, and the devil knows, and God knows. And it's holding us back from being used as a vessel, a blessing to the world. So Christ blessed and broke the bread. 
And then he gave it back to the disciples. There was somebody in Singapore I knew and he's a bit of a gangster. Uh, And he's into gambling and he's from a Chinese background religion. And his friends have been sharing Christ with him for decades and decades. His name is Wong. Pray for him. Uh, And I said to him, well, why haven't you accepted the Lord? He said, well, I know the truth of the gospel. He said, yes, uh, it's something that I may want one day. But he says, the problem is if I become a Christian, I lose so much. I lose so much. Going out at night, spending my money the way I want, gambling here, doing self-pleasure-seeking there. I don't want to give all that up. Fool. You see, whenever we offer something freely to God, He takes it and He blesses us. And he gives it back to us. You see, he never takes anything for himself. He takes what we offer and gives it back to us. We never lose when we give to God. Rather we gain and can be part of a great miracle. So the disciples distributed the bread. And verse 42, and they all ate and were filled. In the Greek it says they were full. Not like you go to a Chinese buffet and you pay your nine pounds. And you eat this and you eat that. An hour later, you're absolutely full. The food is coming out of your ears. You can't jam another dumpling into your mouth. But you've paid nine pounds. And you think as soon as I stop eating, that's it. (laughs) Oh, I can get another dumpling in there somewhere. And the people were absolutely stuffed. Ah, don't talk about bread and fish to me, they said. (laughs) Can't eat for a week. But you see, God is a great giver. He doesn't give small, meager things to his people he satisfies them he fills them and for us who hunger and thirst for righteousness we will be filled to overflowing so let us come with great urgency filled with compassion admitting our own poverty our own lack of quality Looking to Christ and giving our life to Christ and say, use us, bless us, break us. But Lord, here I am. Use me. And then by faith, see what God can do in your life and my life and this church today, tomorrow and every day. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.